Oh, hi there. Welcome to episode two with Infused with Light. And today I'm joined by the lovely Joe. Hi. How are you? Well, it is a little bit late here, but I am wide awake. So, and I'm feeling very, very pleased to be joining you. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So, Joe is from Awakening to the Light Within. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit, if you can, keep it <laughs> in a summary form, a little bit about your services and, and what you do? Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, my services and what I do, I guess. Um, it's a kind of mix, mash and array of different things, um, as you well know, Jen. Um, So I often say that one thing doesn't necessarily always look the same. I I kind of try to work with people on a very individual and personalised basis in relation to what comes up and what's most relevant and what they need, as opposed to having a a, a formalised structure in relation to certain... um, certain sessions but um yeah I do a lot of mental blockage clearing um yeah the reprogramming type stuff shadow work uh inner child stuff energy work BQH guided processes um that kind of stuff I guess my little mixed bag is fun you are you are (laughs) a mixed bag and I guess the reason why I've got Joe on the show today is because she is a beautiful blend of the cognitive and sort of some more of those more spiritual concepts. And sometimes we're going to discuss the topic of grief today. And I think sometimes when we're dealing with those huge emotional uh, concepts, it's, it's important sometimes to have an integration of both, you know, they all Mm -hmm. have their own purpose and, and we can use them to, to help us. So we're hoping to have a bit of a, a conversation about grief, but it might be a little bit different to, the grief that you you may know um there's a lot of information out there on grief but I think it's a little bit misleading and um both of us have gone through uh grief I mean everyone goes through grief but we've gone through I guess the most obvious one of losing loved ones and so we're just hoping to have a pretty raw real conversation so Joe, where do we want to start where do we go on this huge topic of grief Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, the thing is, and and I think this is why so many people avoid having these conversations, because um, grief, as you've said, you know, the most obvious one, loss of a loved one. Um, And yet grief can come in so many different shapes and forms and varieties through the that just through the effervescent flow of life really um and it's and it's very transient it 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 moves and it ebbs and it flows and it's uh, I think I guess a place to start would be that we've obviously had conversations around um the lack of comprehension of how grief is um and how it affects people and those different elements of of release um and because it's so personal it's incredibly difficult to kind of put something out there that makes sense yeah that's right and I suppose um I've been to grief counseling and I found it a well I won't say a complete waste of time I think there's always merit in everything but maybe we should start there because you and I have had some conversations about you know the seven stages of grief as they're presented and and perhaps Mm. why that that isn't something that necessarily works for everyone 
um, I, I definitely struggled with that. Um, there are some, some identifiable traits, I guess, but it's not a set formula, but I think it's kind of like, okay, here's your grief counseling. You're going through these stages. You're going to go through these back and forth, back and forth. And then you'll finally get out the other side and it just does not work like that. No, most definitely not. So I think um, the first thing to be mindful of is that a lot of grief models um, that are used were, um, were, were originally written for people that were were terminally ill so if you look at you know for instance as you've just said the seven stages of grief of you know um denial and you know wanting to barter and anger and all of these different things before the final one comes to acceptance actually if you take that from being somebody that has lost someone to being somebody that is facing their own death they make a lot more sense. If you then reverse that and you put that with somebody that's lost somebody, all of a sudden they don't make as much sense because it, it kind of, the, the, the nature of the steps of coming to acceptance, which is the final one, makes so much sense if you're dealing with somebody that is, um, you know, on an end of life or they're, they're, they've got a condition whereby that is, that, that's what their outcome is going to be. And they're working towards that level of acceptance of, of what's happening with them. Whereas when you lose somebody that, I mean, to say that there's a level of acceptance is almost to say, well, okay, at some point you have to accept that the past, the current, the event and any future that has not is no longer there is completely acceptable on every level of your of your being and that's not necessarily always the case you know you can be in the most beautiful place in relation to loss and yet there are still certain elements whereby you'd give over anything to have that person back or to have that moment or to have done something differently. So I, I think it, I think it really complicates things when people look at those models in relation to, it's almost like a set of goals and a, a set of attainable um, goals to kind of measure where you are like marking points. And, and that just doesn't work. No, that's right. And I, I remember sort of sitting there pondering, and and scratching my brain going well so I've lost both my mum and my dad my mum three years and my dad has been about six seven months since he's passed and like you just said there I mean how can I possibly accept a situation in the future that hasn't happened so I'm not married I don't have kids obviously parents being involved in those is quite you know I, I don't think I'll be able to grieve that until that necessarily happens so Absolutely. Absolutely. So you may well gain a level of acceptance of the fact that, okay, so I now am parentless in in the sense of, you know, my parents are not here. But, you know, when, when, when you do get married or when you do have children or you have these things that are definable markers in, in human life, you know, human, you look at people are born and society dictates that you go to school, you get, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you get educated, you meet somebody, blah, 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 blah. All of those potential societal milestones are often wrapped around the people that we hold nearest and dearest. So even if you've kind of come to a level of acceptance, with each one of those, there's a whole new cognitive process of disentanglement of everything that you'd held before that person left. Yeah, and I think that kind of neatly segues into my next sort of question or or thought process is that 
then we go when these things are presented to us you and people often say to me oh you've been doing so well which really gives me the, the, the grizzles it's like yeah but then when you're presented with something that challenges an aspect of grief it's not until it happens that you think of it and that's when you feel like the undertow you're going back around it drags you back under and then yeah. you're going through what what you and I often talk about you know recycling or cycling through grief again and so can you explain what what is a a grief cycle and why do they come about and how is it just is it always triggered by external or do you think there are other factors involved in it um i i'm I, i'm gonna have to own this as a personal thing um because obviously you know i i don't have doctorates i don't have numbers and letters or whatever after my name however what i do have is um quite a good understanding of cognitive function humans societal stuff um and the energies and how the energy bodies loop and how the linear time structure loops in relation to processing of events and processing of loss etc so uh, i'll own this as my own but for me personally i don't think that it is always necessarily a negative um uh, sorry an external thing that's gonna potentially trigger the next phase a lot of the time that can be what 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 is perceived to be an external thing in the sense of okay this is something that's currently happening however it will always be potentially the the imprint of something that we'd held in our mind we'd held in within our cognitive function of what would be what could be what should be all of those kind of words that are indicative of something that wasn't so as yeah. soon as one of those is potentially activated and you're within a situation whereby you might never have even considered it, but maybe, I don't know, as like an eight-year-old girl or as a 10-year-old a girl or, or, you know, you, I'm going to go with the obvious of, of weddings or babies where people think of big family structure until that person is in that process whereby all of those pattern, all of that patterning of cognitive process that would have happened before hasn't grieved because it wasn't in that situation does that does that make sense yeah absolutely and then I I'm just going to throw another layer onto it which I've found something fascinating to observe in my own grief it's like you've got all this physical these things happening and then if you're slightly spiritual or that's a practice Mm. that you're engaged with or tuned in then it's like this really strange splitting of the physical and then Mm -hmm sort of then being perhaps visited by them or getting signs, messages, downloads, let's call it inverted commas from the other side, that kind of brings a whole new dimension to it for me because there's comfort sometimes. I mean, and that they're incredibly personal experiences. There's loads of books about there about what happens, you know, people see bright lights, there's feathers, there's, you know, strange things, flickering lights, there's that. And then there's also in meditations and dreams that they can visit you. And they're not always traumatic dreams. They're often really beautiful. So I can wake up and have this beautiful, let's call it 5D kind of dream and, you know, realising that my dad is part of my soul group. So then you've got this, this other train of thought going on, but you still got to live day to day, practical, get to work, keep it together. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes find that an interesting fusion of of the grief concept and how that can be quite tricky to navigate too well I think also yeah and I also kind of want to bring complex grief in there as well because actually you know sometimes we have these situations whereby um 
I'm just going to have to be in me and I'm just going to have to use my potty mouth right now. However, sometimes mm. we get these situations whereby someone might have been a bit of an arsehole, you know, just because, and, and, when, and when people die, it's almost like, oh yeah, but they're dead now. You can't speak ill of the dead. You can't acknowledge the yeah. bad things because, you know, now they've passed, it's almost like the bad stuff didn't happen. And as you're saying, if you are um, on an awakening journey, you're spiritual, you are going to be going through healing layers, all of a sudden the healing that you're doing around that person is almost entangled with this guilt of, well, yes, but I can't think of these things that I need to release or these conditions that they put upon me. I can't think of impositions or negative traits or, or, or shit that I need to release because, well, now they're dead. We can't do that. We're not, we're not allowed to think about the negative stuff because society says you can't speak badly of the dead. You know, you can't acknowledge that they did bad things because they're all healed now. But actually that, that in, in its essence of, wow, somebody's died, they've just gained this almost saint-like status is also yeah. complete bullshit because actually what was is still there to be worked through. It's still there to be disseminated and shifted through. So the very essence of society kind of putting this, this stringent thing on anybody that's passed means that it halts so many people's healing process. Oh, definitely. I would even say like from day dot of funeral where you're you know it's like don't cry too much I better wear my sunglasses so no one sees my pain get it together what if like I just find there's so many weird constraints around I mean I wear sunglasses because I'm light sensitive but at the same time I felt this overwhelming pressure to to get my shit together you know because you've got people there to talk to and you you don't want to let your parents and it's just so crazy and I think my advice to anyone would be is you just you just need to be and no one yes. tells you that and I have had people say to me oh gosh you're always grieving and I actually am not a violent person but sometimes mm -hmm. I want to slap them it's like okay or even for people who haven't lost someone in the physical it can be relationship grief it could be pet yes. loss it could be job loss there are so many facets to it and I think to tell someone who is grieving or they're just having a day you know, I, I honour and commend that. It's, it takes a lot of bravery to cry and get it out of your system. Absolutely. And I guess when you were talking about this complex grief, that's something that um, Joe has been helping me through and I'm going to be really raw and uncensored and unedited in this because I think that's the only way we're going to help people. Mm. But let's talk about complex grief yeah. and then transference onto people who are still alive yeah so I think it's interesting when you lose both parents you kind of have this real sense of like shit I'm alone so if you've ever had any abandonment wounds hello they're going to come back up mm -hmm. but I think I mean you can probably explain it better because I am <laughs> your client in this aspect but do you want to talk through, and I'm happy for you to use me as an example but <laughs> I have been transferring grief onto people who are still alive I think what, I, can you explain I, what that's about? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, complex grief will come in so many different. Again, it's it is it, very very difficult to kind of define um, a, a label such as complex grief into kind of one paradigm and say this is exactly what it is because, again, it's 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 basically if if you look at. Um, I mean, it's hard to standardize. Standardize is that even a word? Yeah. Um, grief, anyway. Yeah. However, I, for me personally, complex grief is um, 
when say for instance there was a trauma around it there was an unexpected event there's been trauma in the past you haven't had a positive relationship with the person um you know there's all of these kind of facets of things that are going to start presenting and that person isn't there anymore you you are not going to be able to speak to them you're not going to be able to gain any closure with it you know everybody now reveres them because they've died um you're looking at the the past, the present and the future. Um, and complex grief can also be around. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's the dissection, I guess, of everything that came before it in relation to how you're able to process all of that going forward. And I mean, I know we've spoken about the event. So, for instance, if somebody has a traumatic event, that can make the grieving process so much more um, so much more complex because rather yeah. than just an event of, okay, well, this is, there was a lead up and the person died. We as energetic, spiritual, eternally energetic um, beings of emotions and physicality and cognitive function and energy, we can only ever process what we can process within a given moment, we can only process so much of it. So um, I, I got a download about the linear time, um, the, the, the linear time loop of, of healing, if you like, whereby certain things or situations will keep coming up around certain times. But if it's trauma-based, it's mm. about almost kind of going back and re-looping and and being able to take that event, that time period, from another perspective that we weren't able to process it from at the time. So if, for instance, we were in fight or flight mode, we're then going to take it from observational mode. Then we're going to take it from personalization mode. Then we're going to look at how this impacts me. Then we're going to look at the emotional process. Then we're going to look at the thought patterning behind it. Then we're going to look at the loss then we're going to look at attachment and then we're, so there's all of these different multiple facets that come on board yeah the the, the, the human think, can't process in one go no and I think um trauma is such an important <clears throat> excuse me aspect of that so I'll I'll be completely open with everyone so if I look at my mum's death versus my dad's death okay so mum's been passed three years she had lung cancer, albeit from diagnosis to death was eight months. I still on some level knew what was, you know, like yeah, I knew that it was getting worse. I knew she was moved into palliative care. Like you're never prepared, but there was there was just more understanding around it, right? I had I had months and then I had a week and then I had a few days yeah. to be like, she doesn't have much time left. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas my dad <laughs> I it was just one night he was coughing my brother and I went in there he felt sick he'd been in hospital with like some chest fluid issues and then all of a sudden it was it's my heart there were you know we were like shit he's had a history of heart and then it's like there are six ambulance officers in my dad's room they're like pulling him off the bed there's like adrenaline going into different things my brother and I are helping there's like ribs being cracked there's machines like being and and I'm I'm watching it all like you're all you're cognitive of it but like you said I I said to you that I was going back and replaying I'm like oh why am I obsessing about this like why am I going and just as you said it's the brain can't process everything no 
that at the time that's going on it just can't and so I've been going back and replaying it thinking oh my gosh I'm obsessing about this but they were very different and someone said to me oh you're handling your dad's a lot worse than your mum don't say things like that to people team um and I think it's because of that aspect of trauma involved you know it doesn't mean that I love them less it's just trauma plays such a, a huge part yeah and no one explains that to you no one talks about trauma well I mean any I mean gosh within healing modalities we talk about trauma a lot and the fact that people can carry residue within their cellular structure within their molecular structure um from traumatic events because the release that you know we we literally can only process a certain amount of stuff within a certain phrase of time. So that's why we have to continually keep going back and going back and going back to, to kind of finalise or, or pull out the varying different factors of what was going on to, to process. Um, I mean, when you, when you said, uh, and I know I kind of went off on a tangent, so I just want to kind of go back to what you were saying about um, having, when, when you're in the grief cycle, it's almost like putting that, putting that directing it elsewhere um so again for me personally when my daughter died um I was prepared for it I knew that it was going to happen it was an incredibly peaceful death for which I'm very thankful however because of dynamic that I was involved in um I couldn't grieve my daughter for probably about 18 months without projecting that grief via Mm. anger disappointment and all sorts of different other things at another person and it was purely because it was too fucking painful every single time that my human went in you know the the mummy in me because the spiritual in me was honored to be able to you know finalize her part of her journey and and there was so much love and acceptance within that but actually the the mummy that lost her daughter was pained and every single time that that started to come up I think it was just so big that what I do is I'd look at other people that could have been there should have been there um and and basically throw whatever shit I wanted at them (laughs) rather than actually try and sit in that really really uncomfortable raw space because as you've said time goes on and then people go oh you know oh it's a couple of you you're doing so well and the thing is you might have a week of doing great you might have a month of doing great fuck you could have like three months of doing great and then all of a sudden there'll be this kind of internal thing go right okay we need to do this bit now and and it's almost like you're back in the event and the one thing is that you understand that everybody else around you doesn't understand they kind of look at you and it's almost like no we need to kind of cover this over right now because grief isn't acceptable in society you have your moment it's almost like the old-fashioned days of you know you have your 10 days to wear your black veil and then be over it (laughs) yeah it just and I think I really encourage and this is why I'm having this conversation I have felt there are some people that I can talk to it about definitely and I'm super appreciative for that but there are some people it's like they almost dismiss you because of their inability to talk about it and I just really think we need to really cultivate a space or hold space with it you have to talk I had to talk about it It was so traumatized I only had my brother and it's really hard to talk to someone else going through grief yes 
who experienced he experienced it differently to me he was up near my dad's head I was down near my dad's feet like we have different you know what he remembered was completely different to me and talking to someone else grieving that's not that's a bit of a, a, a recipe for for disaster it, that doesn't sort of help so I just really encourage people you need to allow people to talk about it and try try your best not to be weird about it. we all have to go but through then, it and that's why they say oh you know once you go through but it, then I think that that's yeah, very yeah. indicative of people because it's the same as with everything until people start talking about things and they start normalizing things that kind of takes some of the fear out of it so I know for me personally yeah. some people were scared to say the wrong thing so they said nothing and then other people it brings out their own fear of shit what if that was my child or for you what if that was my parent you know there are there's still this whole almost there's there's almost this morbid fascination with death but also this big fear of death almost like when we're born we're just not accepting the fact that at some point it will happen to all of us. And I think until you can normalise death and actually embrace death as a transition, just the same as, you know, we celebrate life, we celebrate birth, but we don't necessarily celebrate when souls get to or energies get to to be free and, and go on to their next journey. And, yes, that's a personal thing for me, but because people are fearful of it, they either just completely steer away from it because they just don't want to think about their own circumstance or they genuinely are terrified of saying the wrong thing. And I I kind of just want to say there is no wrong thing to say. Yeah, I would say that too. It's like by just talking, you're going to know, you're going to gauge the conversation and the person who is grieving is going to tell you. I can't talk about yeah. this right now. Or they might want to talk for two hours till they can't, till they've exhausted it and they can't talk about yeah. it anymore. But it is hard. And then it's kind of like, you know, even with work, you get like three or four days bereavement leave and you're expected to go back and to function. work. Yeah. Humans, we kind of have it round the wrong way. Um, you know, like a lot of <laughs> ancient civilizations, they celebrated death. And I think because we've created such a structure and that matrix fear around it, it you're right, like if we could reframe it and reshape it to be a celebration. I mean, a lot of people do. I know I'm being super general because like we said, it, it's so hard to kind of get into it. But Indeed. I, I, I really went through a phase and I wasn't allowing myself to be angry. Like you don't let yourself get to the depths of it. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy fuck, I'm raging out of control. Yeah. And it's just like a huge surge. And it's like, I'm like, why is no one here for me? I'm such a good person. I do so much. And you go into victim conscious and you go through all that cycle. But, and then I was telling myself like, God, Jen, come on, you've got to hold down a job. You know, you've got to do the, and I was just so mean to myself. And sometimes I still am. Like I think beating ourselves well, up. Well, yeah, because again, because of you, you rolled out, society. Yeah, you rolled yeah. out the model almost. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. I've already done anger. Why am I back in anger again? Does that mean I've yeah. not done that part? And I think that until people can understand that it's um, – I think one of the best things, and that's, it's just come back to me, so sorry, I'm just going off on one now. Um, one of the best things that no, I, I heard it. was that the space that you – like the emptiness that that person's left, irrespective of whether it was a positive or a negative relationship, there will be a gap, there's a void. Because they're no longer physically there to fill it. They're no longer physically there to um, have that attachment to that, whether you need to heal it or whether or not, whether it was healthy. 
the gap doesn't get smaller, but the life that you grow around it just gets bigger. Yeah, and that's that's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's it's such a strange journey. I'll definitely say that it's uh, it's a strange journey. And what I've really noticed um, is you do you do run away, and you can God, you become so good at distracting yourself mm-hmm. because we're so afraid to feel. And I'm I would say I'm someone who's pretty in touch with their emotions most of the time. But grief can just knock you sideways and I, I've been terrified to feel it because it can feel like it's never yeah. going to end. Yeah. So I guess maybe, yeah. And it, and it, and it is. That's how I feel. That's my Yeah, personal. and it's very much wrapped in that whole process of when you are healing around loss and I'm just going to call it loss for a second, um, you know, loss of self, loss of identity, loss of a partnership, anything that you've kind of built um something on anything that you've had that kind of attachment to you then that that attachment will then need to be placed elsewhere or healed and when you're looking at the the multiple elements of what was what is now and then what is going to be it's fucking huge so to think that people can kind of just sit there and go I think I think the perception is that well I just miss this person I I just miss them and that's it you know and then you know a bit of time goes by and everybody's going to be okay and that's just so completely devoid of any understanding of how healing works oh yeah totally and I mean, most people have that that understanding that you know, healing isn't a straight line; <laughs> it goes upside down, backwards, front, every which direction. But you know, and I, oh gosh, I was just thinking too of like when when people try to categorize their grief as better than yours, mm. like, oh, well, you haven't had anyone die yet, so you know, you're just going through a relationship loss. And I think that's just so coming from a place that's lacking compassion because everyone feels their pain at a hundred percent and it's no one's place to judge their grief. Like if it's over a pet or a job, like it, it's not our place to, to tell people they can't feel what they feel. And that extends yeah. beyond grief to me. And but, I also feel that that's yeah. quite indicative of, you know, nobody else knows the attachment that was held by anything. So, you know, you've just given some beautiful examples there in relation to a pet or, a job that job literally might have been something that somebody had worked their entire life towards it might be something that they held their future upon it might be something that they judged their worth on you know so unless you actually understand what that job meant and what attachment was being held to it there's no way of saying it you know you look at pets they for some people love their pets more than they love their family members so (laughs) well that's that well and understandably (laughs) so joe understandably so sometimes yeah and i just i i've heard it often and i think it's uh i have spoken up about it when i've heard people say that in the past i would just let that go but i now i'm a little bit more outspoken i'm just like you know like maybe maybe should be a little bit more mindful with what you're saying because grief affects everyone it could be and then there's a lot of grief going around with current world events but you know it can come from lots of things uncertainty it doesn't have to be such a tangible thing it can just be like a belief an idea a concept that can also also trigger it so then I suppose and this is just so personal but 
Do you think there is any one particular thing that really has helped you get through it or is there something that stands out in the process of grief? Um, I think personally, um, it, that I think that's quite difficult for me to answer purely because, as you, as you well know, very much like yourself, you know, my journey of healing has been so varied in relation to different things that I've, I, it's kind of all, all happened at, at the same time rather than structured around one thing. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I will say is acceptance and allowance. You know, if you are feeling it, allow yourself that space if you are in because interestingly enough I was just going to say this before you asked that question when you said about um judging the depth or the layer of grief if you want it's um that's also something that human beings do very well so not only will some people look at somebody else and say well yeah but you know what do they know they've not really lost xyz humans are also incredibly good at going well yeah but you know I've got all of this going on however there's other people that have got it worse and they almost try to um what's the word dis my mind's gone well, like yeah, dismiss. dismiss yeah, it's like a well, dismissal it, of yeah. because it's so bloody big. So rather than looking at it and yeah. sitting in it or tentatively walking around it and seeing how it feels or or trying to for me personally, it's about taking the different elements out. If you look at grief as just one big thing, it's fucking huge. Whereas if you try to then separate the 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 different fractures of it. The different elements of it okay well this part was physical attachment this part is emotion this part is about the future this part is you know maybe a bit of regret or remorse of what wasn't done it, it makes it it's kind of like the bite-sized chunks and it makes it easier to 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 sit with those than to sit in the just the mass of but the other thing is don't be yeah. dismissive of your own feelings because and I tell people this all the time it doesn't matter how big or small you think your situation is and it doesn't matter if there's somebody out there that you perceive has got it worse your feelings are valid and your feelings are current and they will not change just because you're distracting or dismissing yeah it's so yeah it's just such an it can be so overwhelming and and I think it's such a strange thing to witness people. Yeah, but, you know, I've lost, you know, but we've had five miscarriages or and it becomes this horrible yeah. competition and I find that a very strange human human aspect to, to, to just exist. Like I really, I really struggle with that aspect of it. But I suppose, and I find it interesting, someone also said to me, and I love all these people and I know that most of them coming from a heart-centred space, but someone's like, oh, well, you've been through it with your mum, so it should be easier with your dad. <laughs> mm, wrong. <laughs> yeah, things not, to say. things not to say. There's <laughs> not to say. So, well, they were completely different people. 
I had a completely different relationship with both of them. Their relationship was complicated. So now they're both gone. I've got to unpack that. It trickles out into so many Absolutely. And in the essence of them and... both being gone, you are now solely responsible for yourself. I mean, yeah, you're a grown woman and you're responsible for yourself anyway, but it brings this whole different level of, um, of, of, having to have your shit together almost you know I I never envisaged that I would end up getting divorced and moving back in with my mum when I was 40 years old however it happened you know had she not been there well what would I would I have stayed in my marriage would I have not been able to to take that embark on that journey of self etc etc so yeah I totally I totally get it but I think it's also that whole other thing of um things not to say we have to understand that people, we said earlier, you know, sometimes people don't want to say the wrong thing. And sometimes it brings up people's own fears around their own mortality or the, the mortality of the, those that they love. Then there's the other group, which I totally forgot about, the fixers. And oh, the yep. fixers. I can find that right, category. <laughs> they, they see somebody that's in pain. And they don't feel like they're doing anything right unless they can make them feel better. And I think it's something that's really not spoken about very often when it comes to grief or loss of anything is that you're not supposed to make people feel better. What about accepting that they just don't feel okay and being able to just say, you know what? You're in a shit place. I know that whatever I say or do isn't going to change that, but I can sit with you in that shit place. And I think that that's the thing that's probably most missing in humans is that it's such an uncomfortable place to be that people don't know how to sit with somebody in it. And it's such a simple gift. Yeah, because we can't... Yeah, because we can't sit with our own emotions. So many people spend their lives running from it. I... I and I get really conflicted too I think with both mum and dad passing away like it made so much more clearing in my own personal healing that I was able to let's call it bring online some of my light language like my spiritual gifts and then you think oh wow now I'm feeling guilty for getting a benefit or gaining something out of it and there's just so many facets of it and then I would also say that you know, when someone dies, you've got to go through the administrative mm-hmm. hoo-ha of money, estates, closing accounts, solicitors, and that is stressful. So you don't really even have no. a lot of the time any downtime to process what's happening. So I always say to people too, like the first three to six months, you're kind of caught up in doing probate and dealing with accounts and relatives. It's kind of from six months on, I think, is when I usually have a breakdown because then I can process or start to unpack mm. and process. And actually, what's you know, what's even you saying on. that in relation to, you know, family. <coughs> Sorry, it just got a tickle then. Um, we, you know, if, if, you're, if you're talking about the death of somebody in particular, um, so instead of just, you know, a, instead of a loss of a job or something like that, if it's a loss of a person then there's a whole bunch of other people that are to be taken into consideration. What's their wants? What's their wishes? How much do we bend or yield to what other people want? How much do we try and maintain what we think the person that's died would want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just can become such a, a, yeah. A nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like if you have, and hello, 
I'm going to be completely honest. If you have a dysfunctional family, that can just well, it can bring out the absolute worst in the people that are around you. You know, it can bring out their absolute worst traits, and then you have to start to juggle that as well. But I mean, when you were talking about um, the the guilt, I mean, you know, my daughter was profoundly disabled, very medically complex an absolute force field of energy she she literally changed people's lives even though she wasn't able to speak um however I would be lying if I said oh yeah it was really really easy caring for her for 15 years it was hard you know I don't think I had a full night's sleep in 15 years I became so medically advanced in the things that I was able to do you know I could give IVs I could run um, breathing machines etc 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 and I'm fully aware that when she decided that she'd had enough she gifted me with the opportunity of a life that I would never have been able to have if she wasn't there and that is something that could have either felt too big and broken me or it's something that I could kind of say, actually, that's a reason for me to want to forge forward and continue to push and, and be the best or do the do the best that I can do in relation to to being a decent human and, and, and helping other people. And for me personally, again, it's very personal. That's something that motivates me on the on the days where I'm just like, oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. But, you know. I've been gifted this. Yeah, and I I think taking the gifts out of it, I mean, obviously some time needs to pass, but I have a better relationship, especially with my dad now in Mm -hmm. spirit realms than I did on earth. He and I would talk about, you know, the pyramids and UFOs and he had a few friends in the SAS and, and some interesting, you know, and he's been to a lot of pyramids in the world. And so it's like he was kind of remembering just a little bit too late, but we had those conversations about galactic beings and the stars and and now, now I can talk to him all the well, time. Well, see, and this is, this is fantastic. <coughs> I mean, we me. had a great moment with a grief counsellor from the hospice um, <coughs> who was spending time with my other daughter. And considering that my dad committed suicide, um you okay (laughs) yeah just yeah my dad committed suicide just before I was 15 years old it was a shitty relationship I actually laughed with joy when I was told that he committed suicide not because I'm a bad person because it meant that it was all over at last you know um the healing and the the shifting that I needed to go through took decades to be able to unravel that particular grief um however my daughter, who is coming up to 18 years old, has the most amazing relationship with my dad now that he's not physically here anymore. Um, he is, I mean, I, yeah. I, she was having a counselling session here at the house and called me in the, in the lounge and she said, uh, Mum, who would you say is the most reliable man in my life? And I went, what do you mean and she said who would you say has been there for me most consistently in my life and I went what alive and she shook her head and I went my dad (laughs) and and that that was an absolute conversation because you know uh, on the other side he has been there consistently for her since she was a baby and always comes through in her darkest times whereas alive for me the guy was an arsehole 
but that's accepting that <laughs> yeah it's a very different state <laughs> yeah exactly and and I I mean I so I don't feel my mum's energy as much it's not to say that she's not around she's probably off I don't know I, I feel like she's off in angelic realms but dad is in my soul group and that's very different and I guess some of the beauty is through that your mm. quantum healing sessions I've been able to put those pieces back together too that you know he's actually part of the council of my home planet that I'm part of and it all kind of yeah. there's a lot of things that make sense now but I can and I think that's that's really beautiful so I suppose for me in terms of coping I I'm excited to develop a new relationship that looks really really different and it's not something I can talk about with everyone because you know just by saying oh yeah my dad's in the Galactic Federation Council people are going to think wow hello Jen maybe we should let's pop you into that mental asylum and uh, again why should I feel like it's I don't know whether anyone's seen the tv show dead to me it's it's brilliant it's on um on Netflix and the kid thinks that the dead father is a bird that comes and visits him and everyone takes the piss out of him but I was like but what if that's his connection you don't know what's going on with someone so I think as as absurd as things might look as long as it's not detrimental to their health or to someone else's health like in in I don't know like in in a harmful way then you've got no position to comment on what people some peace. feel or experience yeah. in the, the other realms. But then, but then yeah, again, exactly. I think that that just kind of takes us on a full loop back to people's fear of death. You know, if people would not be so awkward and weird around grief if they knew how to deal with death. So for some people, it is, you know, the worst thing they can possibly ever think about. For some people, it's like, well, you know, I've come here and, and you know, I'm when, when I leave here, I'm going to go off somewhere else. And I 100% believe in past lives and lives that I've not had yet and, and everything's great and I don't fear it. And then for other people, they genuinely do believe that the second you stop breathing, that's it. There is nothing. Yeah, so, it's just um, dust. Yeah, like. Yeah. like my brother like always says Indeed. ashes to ashes so, so dust when, to dust exactly so when, you, when you kind of look at the <laughs> the variance of people's belief systems um and then and then you bring religion into it as well you know if we want to go down the religious path well you oh, know God. that person's probably gone to hell where they're probably serving purgatory because there wasn't very you've got all of these Exactly. Yeah. Or can you get exactly. into heaven? Oh, you know, that one's waiting up there for you. Maybe if you're good. You're... There's there's so many different beliefs around life and death, but death in particular, that is it any surprise that society goes, oh, yeah, grief. Mm-hmm. Are you all right, though? <laughs> Too hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, I just, I don't even know how we get get it better to talk about to talk about death you know I there are moments in my very 3d form where I'm like it terrifies me and I think oh gosh you know what does happen and then there are other days where I'm like I'm just going to continue being my little source energy but I'll just be non-physical I mean I don't know I could come back as you just don't know and I think to some people that's a real comfort if they can spend more time in the spirit realms let's call it or dealing with that but a lot of people are still stuck dealing with the 3d physical 
linear aspect of it like eat and then and then a lot of people then have that whole well what's the point of life there's just there's no point and then that goes down a whole nother path of depression and mental health because yeah. we just think why are we here and for some people that's their great awakening but for other people it can be super yeah. detrimental and just like oh, absolutely it, gonna die absolutely anyway. i mean i'll never forget um when I was younger and um, we'd gone to Australia and we stopped over at um, Indonesia. And I tell you what, I've never, I think we, we got into a cab to take us to a hotel. And I think I must've been about 11. I don't think I've ever shit myself as much in a car ever. The the way they drive that like they're, they're just absolute insanity. <laughs> and I think at one point my dad said, um, like seriously, you, you, the, the people driving here are crazy. And the guy in the front turned around and smiled and he said, yeah, well, you know, if it's your day, it's your day. If it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And therein, there was such faith in that, that we're oh. just going to do whatever because if it's our time, it's our time. Some people can say that's moronic. Other people might look at that and say, well, that's absolute surrender. It's just. So... Yeah, when when you've got such yeah, opposing, almost opposing ends of the spectrum of where people sit in relation to such an emotive subject, then you look at the complexities of grief. Is it any surprise that human beings go? Huh? However, as with everything, oh, unless you talk hard, about it and you normalise yeah. it, and people start to understand it, nothing ever changes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> food for thought, Joe. Food for thought. Well, I guess we better wrap it up. But I think maybe the last point that I would like to share with people is I think for me, nature has been mm. a big part of my healing. And I think if you can find something that brings you solace, comfort, whatever that is, and it might be it might be <laughs> potato chips for six months, like it, it might be that as. Hopefully pick something like that, maybe not crack <laughs> cocaine. Um, you know, I think <laughs> I think you just got to let yourself. I'm like, let yourself yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, think let's not, I think let's going from potato chips, which might, listening. you know, just give you a little bit of like, oh, a bit of comfort to crack cocaine of of just, you Grounding. know, absolute inebriation. <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think one is a far more avoidant tactic. Well, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes, I was going to say, but that's, oh, look, that's a whole other topic. But there's also, there's a lot of self-medicating that goes on yeah. with grief. Let's, let's not lie. So I think um, there's allowing and then there's also, you know, when it becomes detrimental or avoidant or, uh, yeah, denial. But uh, I would like to finish on things that have helped me. So I think nature has really, really, really helped me. Um, I've got into the garden a little bit more. I feel like connecting with the earth kind of helps me it's really strange the things that I have found helping me and you know my light language and that connection with dad in um sort of a 5d realm which I would never have thought that would happen like Mm -hmm. I used to be such a skeptic of those things but you know I I think you just have to find something that that's yours that that can give you a little bit of comfort and so mine's like getting out walking in the trees definitely being in the ocean and surfing 
even though the surf is gigantic in Sydney at the moment, <laughs> so maybe it's a bit warmer and not as big. So, yeah, that's that's for me. That's that's been a real big comfort. I know you said that, yeah, and, it, and it's going to be different for everyone. But I just wanted to give people it can be done. That there are moments of, and I've had like pure bliss in some of those moments, sort of reflecting and being happy about my grief and and where it's brought me to like it's serving a purpose it's it's protecting and it's healing me and it's you know sometimes you need to absolutely it is that that state of being accepting of whatever emotional process we're in because wherever we're at it's where we're meant to be and you know if we it's it's that age-old saying isn't it if you if you're sitting with something and you're feeling it if you're going into feeling it for quite a long time you might potentially be stuck in it however never just kind of dismiss how you're feeling because there's always some there's always something in that there's always something in that yeah and it I would say it doesn't matter how dark it gets you will come up yeah you will come up for air you know like it might not be immediately it might be a couple of months but you will come up for air and I think if we can keep talking about it with people, then hopefully we can like shift how yeah. that helps one person, you know, how it impacts impacts others. I wanted to thank you so, so very much for being so open and raw and your insights are incredible. And I would highly suggest Jo, I am working with her um, to go through grief. She brings that great balance, like I said, that great blend of cognitive and if you you are on a, an awakening ascension path it's it's good to really bounce off joe and explore that and like she said she does sort of tailor it which is great it's not a, a formula oh god no psychiatric <laughs> kind of uh, process it's it's a very <laughs> so just in case people are, it's it's a very thoughtful considered holistic approach to the individual so you're all yeah you're awesome so yeah love to know anyone's thoughts um absolutely absolutely and thank you so (laughs) much for having me jen yeah no worries um great well thank you so much and we'll talk to you guys soon